friends, we are here to break the boundaries between your yoga teachers and you. Welcome to Conversations with Yogis. Just a few teachers having a chat over coffee, all things yoga and real life. We're your hosts, Ashley and Melinda. Welcome to our next episode of Conversations with Yogis. It's me and Melinda today on our own, and we're talking about how yoga has affected our relationships in terms of friendships, what our family thought about us when we started practicing yoga and decided to make it a career choice, and what yoga as a career is actually like day to day and we did talk about this in season one a little bit but we wanted to expand on this topic a bit more as we come back to season two and share more about our experiences that we didn't last time yeah when I started yoga Mm -hmm. my friends literally thought that I had turned into a dirty hippie Dirty happy. We we say that in Alberta, and had joined a cult. And yoga wasn't as mainstream when when I started practicing. So I can see from the outside it did look a bit weird. And I'd come back and be like, all bright blue eyed, and like, oh, you have to go try yoga. It's amazing. It's changed my life. So I could see from their perspective why that would feel over the top and they're like what has happened to you Ashley and just to clarify I'm I'm from Alberta in Canada which is the Texas of Canada and it tends to be quite conservative so if you're not conservative then you're you're like on the periphery you're into the alternative lifestyle kind of vibes and it did affect my friendships and uh, my family also were a bit inquisitive of this new practice that I took up Mm. what about you I think because I I was just saying earlier that I came from a background that I was let to go to Paris by myself when I was 16 to be a model and I'm from a very small town no one really does anything exciting or extraordinary we just do our own thing but I just decided to be a model and travel the world and so my parents were quite supportive me that's the word I was looking for they were supportive of what I decided they knew that I can take care of myself so for them yoga wasn't like a big change because another job that no one ever heard about (laughs) or no one ever does in my town there was no yoga in my town but they were like well she already did something weird so might as well does another one um so it wasn't such a big thing. But if I think about how I left school, I never went to university, I never went studying like everyone did. I went working straight away to do more modelling. And after that, I instead of going to university, I chose to do a teacher training. So I never went on the normal route. Yeah. So I don't think anyone was surprised. And I do think my grandparents still think that this is not a real job. You know, it's, <laughs> what am I doing? I'm just like moving about they can nowadays probably they are like accepted it that after 14 years of being a model and then being a yoga teacher that's okay she just does her own thing she's not gonna work for someone else yeah so I think it it depends on what background you're coming from and 
how you, people look at you. Did you start, you said you did that at 16? Yeah, so okay. I, so at 16, I, my parents literally put me up on an airplane and I asked my mom, like, where do I need to go? How do I know which plane to take? She's like, I don't know, just follow the crowd. So we had not much idea about anything. I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. Um, and I think it was the same with yoga. So I just jumped into new things that was unknown and I enjoyed it. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh, getting on a plane at 16 and going to Paris by yourself must have been daunting. But I that doesn't make sense if if like you started from a young age and that type of um creative. I guess creative, like yeah. self-employed industry that uh is that your family would and then you make friends along the way who yeah, were the same the same and understand what you were doing I think because I started yoga when I was 26 and I had spent six years in university at this point mm. uh, in genetics and cancer and genetic counseling and my family was kind of you know expecting me to go down that road like obviously I went to school for six years for it I just didn't really know what the job was when I finished I you, everyone tells you to pick what you love doing right yeah and I loved science and then I when I started taking science classes it got more narrowed down I'm like okay I love biochemistry I love genetics I love anatomy like all the kind of microscopic kind of stuff in genetics and cancer research always um, piqued my interest because I think I mentioned on here before my dad passed away from cancer and like a number of people in my family my aunts and uncles so I've always been really interested in that topic because it's affected me in such a big way mm. and and then so I did go down that career path but when it was put into practice like as cancer researcher working in genetics and DNA repair proteins uh, the day-to-day -day work was really boring and quite monotonous and like pipetting, sitting at a desk and working by yourself and creating PowerPoint presentations once in a while, which was my favorite parts of the job and got to present my, my data and the findings of my research at like monthly meetings. And then I found through that that I'm just more of a people person. I like working with people. Like when I was uh, in school, I also worked at H&M as in retail. So you're always talking with people and I had worked at like bars and restaurants and I was always really good at that. So yeah. um, when I went and sat in the lab by myself, that part of my life and my day and my in my work was taken away. So I'm not surprised that like I didn't find it very fulfilling, the science bit. But then when I started traveling the world and did my yoga teacher training, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. My family's like, but what about the six years of school you did? And they've always been fully supportive of me, but from their perspective, I definitely see what they were, what they meant and their concerns. But now that I've been doing this for 12 years, they are happy for me. They are proud of me and what I've been able to accomplish. But it's been a journey for sure. I also, I guess it can be quite scary if you think about or you have a safe job where you go in at eight o'clock, go home at six o'clock, or I don't know. And it sounds sounds better for most people because that's their norm. That's their. I mean, my family is like that. They've just always been employed by someone, and I just decided to be like, I'm just gonna travel the world and do these things. And 
so I can imagine it, it's it's hard and scary for them as well because they, they worry for you, they want stability, they want good, everything to be going yeah. the same route as they had. We're just like yeah. trust, trust, trusting you can pedal through this process of being self-employed and fend for yourself and move to London as well. That's true. And then, like, because I don't know where you fall in the kind of categories of... Um, I guess generations. I'm a millennial. Mm. Are you a millennial? I I know I never know. I'm, I know I'm just a what's Gen Z and I'm I don't think I don't think you're Gen Z. I'm definitely not Gen Z. I think okay. I, I think I'm millennial because I'm ninety three. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm eighty four. So I'm like I'm technically a geriatric millennial. I okay. loved that term because when they define it, they're like the the older millennials are the ones who <laughs> remember remember like the old school technology, like yeah. the dial phone where you had to put your finger in the hole on the dial and spin it around and then it spun back and it's like you had to dial seven numbers and like wait for the dial to turn back before you did the other one so I clearly remember that and like calling my friends and memorizing phone numbers and all that stuff yeah and a typewriter I wrote reports in elementary school on a Mm. typewriter literally and I thought that (laughs) I was really cool and fancy because we had a typewriter but then I also grew up with that um with the creation of the internet becoming mainstream. Windows and, 98 and all these things coming out. Yeah, and we started with like the floppy disk with, you know, the turtle game yeah. and the Oregon Trail game. I don't know if that reached over here, but yeah. you put it in, it's like the one function that it does. It's only that game. <laughs> yes. Or, um, yeah, that turtle draw where you're like, you had to type in a massive code to draw a line of the turtle going across the screen. Well, I'm not sure if they played. We definitely had games, but I don't know what they were. It's too long to go. <laughs> yeah, I was. So, they're so old school. And then, so growing up through all the like, I don't know, boom of technology and it smartphones is. and anyway, so that's millennial. But my my family, obviously, my aunts and uncles, my mom's generation are baby boomers, so they grew up with a very different experience where mm. they got to go like to university for free or heavily subsidized and you get into the housing market and while they were in school sometimes on a low paid job and they're like we saved every nickel and we bought our house blah yeah. blah blah and like that's not a possibility for my generation because like when you're looking at these deposits it's like well how do I even get that much money when we're faced with all these jobs that aren't like paying enough in line with inflation and there's so much more instability in the job market too it's like your aunties and uncles are telling you get a job with a pension and a good company and you'll be set for retirement and I'm like I don't even know if that like exists anymore and it does for some people for sure but like for me that never drew me in I think we we, we already too young for those things because even if you have a nice stable job now nowadays you don't climb the ladder the, the same way as you used to or it, it's I don't think it's the same as it used to be um, a lot of transitioning between companies too like mm. we talked about this on another episode where like our friends were who have like job jobs or are dotting around changing companies frequently and yeah. because there's yeah. not as much opportunity to improve in the same within the same company because there's not enough space or there's too many people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, 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 we are definitely a generation that has to work a bit harder, but also like more getting mortgages, especially getting mortgages as a self-employed. We just being, being checked much more than like being an employed person. 
So it's so much more instability for us mm. to be planning ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go through that process probably next year. Trying to get a mortgage on a self-employed random salary salary quotation marks. Yeah. Um, before we jump ahead into that part of being a yoga teacher, I just wanted to uh, talk about on this episode when we started yoga and like the implications that happen with friends and relationships and how some of my friends think or they thought that I had like lost my mind and was brainwashed and joined a cult, which like fair enough from the outside it may have looked like that. Like Ashley's doing this weird yoga stuff. What is that meditation? Yeah. And and I'm just out here like, oh my God, you guys gotta do this. It changed my life for the better. Everything is so much better. I have so much energy. And they're like, okay, tone it down for two seconds. But um sometimes like I find that when you are making positive changes in your life and I've experienced this a lot through practicing yoga, through becoming vegan, through partying less, drinking less, just being available less, I guess, for going out and yeah. um, doing whatever. Your friend, I've had some friends like turn that around on me and like gaslight for me uh, for it where they're, I don't know, trying to accuse me of, like, converting them. When you did not. When I didn't, I was just doing this, and they didn't like that I was changing and unavailable. And I think people can take that as a self-reflection where it's kind of confrontational, where they're looking at themselves at you in a mirror and seeing that you're making these positive changes and then blame also blame it on you. And I've had to sever a lot of, friendships and relationships because of this because they turn toxic and I'm like mm. like I'm trying to literally make my life better through these practices and I need to be realistic and let go of things that no longer serve me so I've had to be honest where it's like this friendship is not serving me mm. anymore it's very toxic yeah and let go of it and move on and yes those are hard decisions to make but I had had have had conversations with people in the yoga community about this and I just wanted to bring it up because it is a common thing that happens yeah definitely and it's okay to do it I think it, it's it can be triggering for them and yeah. that, that's that's why it happened but also I think on my teacher training they were saying that um when one person start to work on themselves whether it's a friendship or whether it's a partnership like you're you have a a partner and then if, if the other one is not on the same path you can really easily drift away from each other because you are trying to make yourself better or feel better or understand yourself better and then they stay where they are sometimes sometimes they're ignorant sometimes they are just defensive and that's when you can grow apart from people but I guess it's life as well you go away from friends uh, even if you don't change lifestyle we change they change and I think yoga is just highlighting it or kind of ampl amplifying it. It's a big catalyst for change. Yeah. Where you're constantly asked to self-reflect. Yeah. What do I need? What do I want? What is serving me? What is not serving me? And you have to extrapolate that to the rest mm -hmm. of your life. And obviously friendships exist in the rest of your life. So 
you, you need to question like, is this building me up or is this tearing me down? Yeah. Being same with anything else you pro you do. Like, yeah. is this is this bringing me something good and valuable and healthy for me, or is this making me feel terrible and worn out and um, self conscious and yeah. feeling worthless and you, you when you're confronted with these kind of scenarios you have you cannot be blind to it once you start yoga yeah because it opens your eyes to reality mm -hmm. and then and then if you want to choose ignorance and that's and continue down the same path and that's taking away from your yoga practice of becoming open and aware and conscious and expanding consciousness yeah just missing out so much so such a big part of yoga in a way because Yoga is not just a physical practice, as we were talking about it. There's so much more to it. It's, it's just like I was just thinking about without we're doing a challenge. We were doing a challenge in September, and we did physical, but we also did a day where we just like it's just mindfulness. You have to be just mindful of your thoughts, and I think people forget that part that it's quite important as well because you want to be in control of your reactions and actions and talk, like acknowledge your thoughts and how you work on a deeper level, not just like on a surface level. We yeah, have 20, 24 hour, seven day a week practice of observation, self reflection. Who am I in this scenario? How do I react? How do I want to react? Mm. So many more layers to it. Why do I react like that? Like, all of these things come up into our practice. And yeah, when it, this change happens in your life and people notice it, not everyone's going like, to like it. and. Not everyone wants to be part of it. Not everyone wants to face their own demons. So mm -hmm. it can be triggering for people. So you, you lose out on friends. And it's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, tough. Oh. It's tough, but it's reality. And um... yeah. But also, as you said, that this is how it's perceived to be a yoga teacher, how our lifestyle changed and like be having a hippie lifestyle and or we're definitely now going to be not partying, not drinking, and being vegan and, and running around, when the reality is so different. We are such different people as a yoga teacher as well. So I think the reality of being a yoga teacher is very, it is the authentic of like trying to better yourself and improve yourself, but also we will still have such different experiences. We st it's still a business. We still have to make our money and pay our bills. So we still have to think about how we, how we can do that and how we gonna live. So it sounds good to be like working on yourself constantly, and it's, it's a good sounds like a good job. But also, it's very unstable. So we can always we can move on to that topic of how it is to be a yoga teacher and what can you expect if you choose to go down the road if it's standing for you. Yeah, and to not lose yourself along the way. Yes. I remember, well, I think this kind of happens when you start the practice is that you feel like you need to be a yogi. Mm. And then like I had all my mala beads, I had my shirts that had like Sanskrit on them or um, all the, yogi. A, an Om sign. <laughs> and I'm like, this is me. And, but then I'm like, after a while you go through that of, um, moving into the I'm a yogi identification process to being like oh no I'm actually I'm still the same I'm just I've come out like a shinier version 
of my old self because I've let go of all the negatives. So you, you do a lot of that self work. And then, uh, when you become a yoga teacher, the self work continues, obviously we, we as teachers, uh, don't have all the answers. We're still working on ourselves. Definitely. And it's a lifetime of work and it, it, um, things get, things just fluctuate a little bit more. You know, you recognize how to manage yourself more yeah. when you, when you go through your weeks and your years, like I know the signs of me being burnt out or stressed and I try to get on top of that before it turns into like a full, like I've had a panic attack a few times or like, um, quite intense anxiety. And I don't want to get to that point where you're just like, you're totally incapacitated because you're overwhelmed and stressed out. So, you know, yoga teaches me to manage that and to, if I'm doing too much, do less, like take it seriously and, and see when you need to back off. And like when you're doing it as a business, it can be stressful because you're self-employed, you're only reliant on you, um, which is a tip for yoga teachers find friends that you like to work with because then you don't have to be alone in this yeah. and you can collaborate and fund things like me and Melinda doing this podcast yeah. and our retreats. And like I do courses with uh, my other friend, Lauren and other, etc. etc. Collaboration is really important when, when you're in this business because then you're not isolated and alone. Yes. Because I think it can be a very lonely business and also, you can just feel very alone with your problems, especially if you don't go and practice with other teachers and, and don't you see uh, people as much. Like I've noticed since I've been teaching, I definitely practice less within like studio spaces because I have less time to go to classes I would like to go to. So I think it's important to just keep up the connections and it does help to share, uh, share problems and you can share with your partner but if they're not in the same business they won't understand the same way as as the other teachers gonna understand so i think it's good to put it in to perspective because in the end however you want to uh, plan your life as a yoga teacher you have to have a plan because it's it can be unreliable it can be hard financially especially if you're in a teaching a place where it's very saturated with lots of teachers and um yeah you, you it's, it's a different lifestyle and sharing it with sharing the problem with others it's much easier to carry that weight yeah just to unload it also to be heard and understood mm, definitely you're not alone and how hard it is to to do this as a job choice yeah and like you said like planning is really important especially if you want to do this long term because if you don't have a plan and you're kind of winging it and trying to get a class here and there and then just seeing what happens and then uh, doing that solely as your job, then where is that going to get you in the long run? It's not really sustainable Just either. tired. Just yeah. really tired and burnt out. Because <laughs> in a way, it's not, it's not comfortable just to teach studio classes and you teach enough studio classes to cover your expenses and earn some money for yourself. but. Unfortunately, it is not sustainable. Like I thought when I had a very good like 20 classes, I thought I'm, I'm wing, I was the best thing I can do. It's so stable. Then one week to another, I lost eight classes because 
the studio had some financial problems so they closed down a place and they cut down classes and I was a lot of money out of my pocket and like what can I, what can I, what can I do now and there's no safety net there is nothing you can turn to and you don't have contracts with places you don't have sick pay you don't have that oh we're gonna be terminating your contract with someone or like not gonna have you're gonna lose your classes from one day to the other it's not like oh you have a month to figure out it just disappears and it's whether you work in a corporate place whether you have private yoga class clients nothing is set in stone and i know other jobs either but we we have just so many moving parts if one disappears and it's quite a big chunk of our income that can be very scary and very hard to fill, fill it back in because we have to have 10 jobs we don't have one job we have like 10 jobs running around different studios and if one lost it's not going to be another job quickly being filled up with so it is it is definitely adds that extra layer of stress that you don't have that separate net there's nothing stable there's nothing set in stone and um like for example i I'm, I'm going on maternity leave so i was like planning it of how i'm going to get my covers and stuff and i'm on studio just said like oh you need to have more classes but i was like i can't take more classes because i am being maternity leave so i feel unfair to take on a class which i'm going to be teaching for a month and then in the end they took away my class and now i'm out of classes and i'm like i'm forced to leave to maternity leave like two months earlier that i planned to and as a self-employed, you don't get maternity leave. I get statutory maternity leave, which is like hundred pounds a week. Um, we don't have again sick pay, so it's just like it's very hard to plan. It's very scary. So it's definitely not a dream job in that sense. Do you get supported, uh, like through maternity having the kids in any way? Like, do you have any? guarantee that you're gonna have your classes when you come back the thing is like because uh, they said like oh when you come back you can get two classes but how am i going to be guaranteed that actually i'm going to have that well those classes you're going to give me two classes or how do i know actually those classes are going to fit within my schedule or it's just you know like someone says like oh yeah you get classes but when you're going to get that am i actually going to get those classes it's the same as i used to have doubles and they're like oh you're always going to have doubles and i'm always going to make it this way and no they just took it away and then there's no guarantee big companies would have more classes to give away and 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 take away but also they might be the ones as well that will less likely to support you as a small person because you're too small within the big picture i can understand like small studios i would i could see i would go, go back because i get organized my cover i try to be very conscious i'm gonna organize my own covers so i have control over the class still it still doesn't guarantee that I can go back they can be just like oh actually don't come back because we like the other teacher already now because you've been away for too long or who knows what can happen so just like scary well I guess I still want a family so <laughs> I have to take the chance of whatever is going to happen just going to happen yeah that's really not supportive of being able to have a family if that's what you want to do mm or just sustainability or career growth for anyone really mm. so that's like you said as a yoga teacher you can't put all your eggs in one basket and that's really one of the best business advices in a nutshell I could give yeah. to teachers out there is diversify your offerings because things come and go all the time 
classes can be your monthly um, chunk of earnings if you want it to be, but also do other creative projects like find corporates, find privates, and even privates come and go, or they're one-off here and there. You can do online privates and person privates. Yeah. Same with corporates. And you can have like a members area. I have a members area on my website. Yeah. And I put all my recordings on there. So I have quite a lot of people coming on there now just to practice yoga with me all the time, which is amazing. And yeah. uh, because they can't actually come to my in-person classes anymore, because especially during the pandemic, a lot of my old students are on there because they've just moved and they still want to practice with me. So it's nice to have that connection still with other people. And another thing that is good about that is that that's 100% me. I have That has nothing to do with the studio. Yeah. So I'm not reliant on anyone else for that. And events are really good, workshops, but making sure like you're confident in delivering the material in a workshop and not just charging people for like winging something yeah. just because you uh, want to have more earnings. Like it needs to come from a place of like, there might be a bit of imposter syndrome for there. Like, am I, uh, do I know enough? But like, definitely if you're delivering a workshop, you need to know your staff in that area so you can help people of all abilities and truly deliver whatever it is that you are promising from the workshop or yeah. promising that you're teaching. Retreats are so much fun. There are a lot of work organizing oh, and <laughs> like a year in advance and it's not just teaching the retreat in itself the week that we're gone and like on vacation. There's a year leading up to it where we've been looking for places and and negotiating contracts with our with the place the chef figuring out all the background things like what are you offering what else are we planning budgeting everything in so that year of work we feel compensated for yeah it's not just a week of showing up and then all the marketing that goes along with it god yeah it is super rewarding and i love doing them but yeah they are a lot of work and a little bit of financial investment at the beginning to make deposits on those massive venues it's not cheap no and it's risky if nobody comes <laughs> we've had to cancel retreats too and it's like okay buy deposit you know I'm willing to admit that just so everyone who's listening to this if you've ever had to cancel an event and a retreat it's fine and you feel shit and like you should not be doing this like who am I to do this don't worry you are not alone everybody has to cancel things like and just say, like, well, what didn't work there? Was it the dates? Was it the price? Was it X, Y, Z? And just put it out there again if you can rebook without losing your deposit and see if it works. Like, that's all you can do in this is, like, create and put it out there and see if it works. And if it doesn't, don't take it personally. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we can do a kind of whole episode on this of because it's like a minefield. I... I have actually lots of teacher friends who ask me because we have organized quite a few retreats now and um, we learn every time and then still learning every time we book a new one um, and I'm always very happy to help my friends because I was like I know it's hard and, and if I can help with little things I, w I would because we are not alone and shouldn't be alone in this um, planning.
But shall we wrap up there and bring it up in another episode where we can bring have a deep that. dive yes. on how to plan a yoga retreat. Oh yes, <laughs> we can. But thank you for listening and hope to see you soon or hear you soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to meet us in person, maybe join us on a day retreat or a retreat. We have some events coming up before I am away on maternity leave. You can join us in a day retreat on the 21st of October in London, or you can join us in our first retreat next year, April, the 18th till the 21st of April in Norfolk. For all information, just visit our events page on our website. Thank you.